Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Today I have with me a friend named Michael. Mike, we get into it. I call you, can I call you Mike? I'm That's sorry. Fine. You can call me Raymond if you want to. <laughs> but uh, we get into a lot of discussions, don't we? Yes. We talk about like what, say repentance or what's wrong with the world and I bounce off you and you bounce off me. and Yeah. And you know, people who might be listening over our shoulder may think we're looking down our nose at people, but we're not. I think the equal amount of time that we spend Discussing issues in our world, in our families, in our churches, in our community, you and I are very careful to include ourselves. Absolutely. We don't think we've got it all together. Sure. We don't think we've, you know, discovered it and you need what I have. As far as a prideful sense now, the value of what we found and the treasure that we have found in our relationship and our faith in Christ, I think is valid. That hopefully is the one resounding thing that our our conversations are laced with is that we want others to discover what we have and live what we have, not for the sake of, again, just that you need what I have because it's, it's me. It's no, this is the source of life that God intended us to have in the very beginning. Right. And he offers to restore it back to you, not only through forgiveness, but new life through Jesus Christ by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Right. As a matter of fact, a lot of the preaching that I do, and when I talk to people about the gospel, I don't speak to them concerning the pointing at them kind of angle. I speak from my own experience, my own testimony, my own mistakes, and my own learnings. And that's what where I go with people when I talk about the gospel. I don't do, you know what, you need to get saved. I come from the basis of, you know, we all need to get saved. That's kind of, I guess, what you're saying there. It's not the down the nose at you kind of attitude. It's look, this is what I learned and I still need it. I have to have repentance every day. I need Jesus every day. I speak from my perspective. And if they want to latch onto that, then praise God. But I tell you one thing that used to happen to me in the in the day is if somebody come to me and pointed at me and say, you need Jesus. Well, technically they're right. Scripturally, they're right. Mm-hmm. But that tone turned me off. Right. And I think there's a lot of people who... Even Christians or people who do try to attend a church or find a church to go to, they get burned, they get turned off by someone who walks in that attitude. And I will definitely say that after all the years that I've gone to church, my wife and I, we would not be in your congregation if you were that way. And I don't know that there's hardly a Sunday that goes by that you do not somehow put out, I was, I'm the worst sinner or this is where I was. You wouldn't like me, you know, 10, 15, 25 you years have. ago. You wouldn't have. You would have hated my guts. <laughs> right. so, yeah. so we appreciate, I know that those of us who listen to you every week and walk with you every week appreciate your uh, sober reality of where you were and that you are where you are by grace and Amen. by the love of God. 
Um, so we appreciate that. Well, good. I appreciate you saying it, or this is what the body of Christ should be. Mm-hmm. Well, see, a lot of people say, well, there's a lot of hypocrites in the church, and I think we need to to define what a hypocrite is. Okay. A hypocrite is somebody that says, you need to do this, but they won't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, a real genuine believer in a good Bible-believing, uh, praying real church, they're going to tell everybody else, you do this and I don't have to. They're going to say, you know what? I have to do it, and let me tell you the benefit it got for me, and let me share it with you. That's not a hypocrite. Right. That's somebody saying, I learned from this, and I learned mm-hmm. the hard way, and I could help you if you would hear what I have to offer you. This is the damage it did to my life. The sin that I did mm-hmm. messed me up, and I had to let the Lord fix me, and I had to repent and stop doing certain things. You know, repent's a bad word. Mm-hmm. It's rated R, and people don't like to hear it. But if you put it in the context of, look, I did it. And man, it really helped me. Can I can I share it with you? That's a whole different feel, isn't it? Rather yeah. than the you need to get saved. Okay, that's where the hypocrite mentality comes from. Right. And you know, a lot of I think people who don't really take the time to listen to a, a born again believer who is doing their best to walk in the ways of the Lord, they get the idea that they think we are perfect, and that again that oh, we my have. Goodness. It, oh, please no, don't make me sick. Um, I like what. Uh, Greg Lowry from, uh, I think it's uh, Harvest Ministry says, mm-hmm. he says, heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for, for forgiven people. And I'm like, that is so true. And he says the same for hell, unfortunately. It is not for bad people. It's for unforgiven people. And it just clarifies where we believe we, where we stand. I'm not any better than anybody else. Forbid that I should think that if I am Holy Spirit, reveal it to me, help me repent of it. And you know, walk in humility before God, like I'm commanded to. But again, it's that we're simply have received the gift of forgiveness. That's the difference. That's what hopefully we're uh, living before people and projecting before people in our lives and our words and our teaching and in the ministry. And that we just want you to be forgiven like we are so that you have a hope beyond this world for eternally with God. Amen. It's like, hey, you're hungry. I know where there's food is. If you want to go right. get some, come this way. No, I don't want to go that way. Or most people will say, well, yeah, mm-hmm. show me. And that's all we're trying to say. I'm mm-hmm. a hungry guy, too. You know, but it, I like what you said about the forgiveness part. I am not perfect, but I am perfectly forgiven. Mm-hmm. I am not righteous, but I am righteous in Christ. And that's what we're trying to share. Anybody who's listening with us today, we're trying to explain that I am not better than anybody else. As a matter of fact, I'm probably worse than you. I am the chief center that I know of in my mind because I know what I've done. And we're just trying to share with you some things about God's word that can help you understand how you can be forgiven. And this is not hypocritical on our part. It's just, hey, can we share with you what we've learned? And Mike has a uh, Michael has a good verse today that I want Michael to read to. Uh, I think this is a big problem with our society today, Michael. Go ahead and run it off. Let them uh, hear this. Uh, this verse comes from the book of Proverbs uh, that was written by King Solomon, uh, considered one of the wisest kings of all history. So as I read that, that's kind of a perspective to take on this. He writes, and it's recorded in chapter 16, verse 25, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Wow, there's a way that seems right. I guess if I was to say it in my my version of it, just, you know, my knee-jerk reaction is whatever I think is right is not. Yes, and again, I think it comes to a point that of a place of what 
that you and I have talked about uh, quite a bit at the coffee shop is that nowadays, because of the extreme self-centeredness of our society, because of sin, and again, you and I are not exempt from that. We have to constantly watch that we don't be walking that self-centeredness ourselves. So we're not pointing the finger at somebody, but it is so chronic and so uh, taught and pushed in our society on TV and education and even, you know, psychology, you have to love yourself first and all these things that we value our opinion so high that that becomes the foundation of our truth. It makes it absolute in our lives. And the reason that becomes a concern is because we even put it above God's truth, his word that he gave us to to live a life of love, peace, forgiveness, hope, and all these things. But we take our opinion and go, well, I don't believe that. And then we supersede God's truth, and then we get ourselves in a spot not knowing what it really says. We start thinking we know better than God. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, I hate to put it in that term because it's so offensive, but it is. Mm-hmm. I, I know better than God. No, God, I know better. I know how to do this one. I will take care of it, Lord. Mm-hmm. Step back. And that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Because what does the passage say that you just read? It says the end of this, when you act the way you think you ought to, what's the end result? Death. Death. I mean, (laughs) oh, come on, Ray. It can't be that serious. Uh, The Bible says it. It, Sin, when it's full grown, produces death. And, you know, that might bring in a lot of people's mind, well, I'm not physically dead, Ray. What, What does that really mean? Death. What type of death? Well, it's talking about a spiritual death. You know, uh, if you plan to go to heaven and uh, too many people think heaven's automatic, and that's going to lead me into my next verse here, actually. A lot of people think that dying is just an automatic thing that you go straight to heaven. When I talk about death, when sin produces death, that is a not only a physical death, we're going to die in our body, but we're also going to end up in an eternal death. But let me read uh, real quick from Matthew seven twenty one. This is this is what happens to people that keep doing things the way they think is right. I've got it figured out. God, step aside. Jesus said, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." Now, see, that's the difference, Michael. That these people, you know, I know better. I know better. No, he says, "The one who does the will of my Father." They are regarding God, knowing more. And then he also goes on to say, on that day, many will say to me, yeah, understand, guys, not few. It says many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Oh, oh Lord, didn't we go to church? Didn't we play Christian music in the house and do all this stuff? Well, see, that's getting back into what you think is right. Well, right, going to church isn't right. No, it is. But that doesn't save you. Right. So, I, you know, this is, this is what I think is right. I'm going to do what I think is right. Well, Jesus is going to say, look, to these people that talk to him like this, Lord, didn't we do all this stuff? Look at all the stuff we did, Lord. And then he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And that other word for lawlessness is iniquity. Iniquity means I want it my way. How many times have you heard somebody say, tell you that, especially as little kids? No, my way. <laughs> my way or the highway. You know, that um, I just happened to go to one of the verses I was looking at earlier. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. You know, every time I hear that verse, Ray, and I've heard it for years, decades even, 
it brings shivers to my bones it should. and goosebumps to my skin to the fear that he says depart people who church people quotations you they know, think they're doing everything right, right. and that and uh, scary because that could have been me you know and i just to be sure that i'm not that person yeah you know because at that point it's you think you're going to heaven you're set but it's too late and i just i just i just my a pit comes in my stomach every time i hear that that has to be to me of all the verses in the Bible, one of the scariest verses in the Bible, to think that you've got it made, you're on track, you're doing good, you're righteous because of all these things you're doing, you think it's right. But really, inside your heart, you never truly gave your heart to Jesus Christ in humility and spirited and truth like he calls us to, to walk with him. And it's too late. I just, I don't know. It's going to be the shock of their existence. Right. Friends, we're trying to convey the fact that going to church doesn't save you, saying a little prayer, thank you, Jesus, amen, doesn't save you. You've got to give your life to him. You've got to submit to him. You know, Mike, one time I went to uh, Israel, uh, uh, actually three times I've been to Israel, Cool. <laughs> and I had to make out my own plane ticket online, and mm-hmm. I had to get in the website and had to go to, you know, Continental or whatever the web page was, mm-hmm. and I had to tell them, here's where I want to go. And here's the seat I want, and here's my credit card information, here's my name, da-da-da-da-da, all this information. I had to fill all this stuff out. So on the website, I knew where my destination was going to be. I had my payment information. I had all that figured out. But there's one last button at the bottom of the whole thing after you've filled all that stuff out. It is a button that says, Submit. <laughs> okay. You can fill all that out. You can yep. type out your credit card info. You can pick your seat. You can say, I want to go to Israel or whatever. But Mike, if you don't hit that submit button, you ain't going nowhere. Well, if you show up at the airport, hi, mm-hmm. I'm here to collect my uh, plane ticket. Uh, they're going to say, we don't know you. Depart. Yep. I don't know who you are. Well, why not? Well, obviously I did not submit. Mm-hmm. Friends, you've got to submit. All of it. You you may know your payment information. You may, oh, well, Jesus paid my way. Okay, you may know that. You may know where your destination is. Well, my destination should be in heaven. Okay, but guys, if you will not submit, if you won't hit the submit button and give your life, you're not going nowhere. And you know, the, the very verse that I just read in Proverbs twelve fifteen, it talks about getting wise counsel. You know, it's not saying, um, well, let me put it the other way. If you want to walk wisely now and on in this earth and eternally, you'll receive counsel. And I don't know about anybody else, but some of the best counsel I think available in our world is our creator's counsel. Amen. You know, some people will argue the whole existence of God. That's a whole nother subject. But just the fact that he gave us his written word and his Holy Spirit on top of that when you do receive Jesus as a helper, as a teacher. And as a seal, as a promise of his second coming, um, it's just it's just um, incredible to think that he would give us that kind of wisdom if we lacked it. And what did he say in James? He said, if any of among you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and not with uh, favoritism, basically. He gives liberally, liberally to all that ask of him. Yeah, because I was about to ask the question for those who are listening that may be asking, how do I get this counsel? But you actually answered that in your statement there. It comes from God. It comes from the word of God. Christians, uh, those of you that call yourself one, how many of you call yourself Christian and you never read your Bible? 
You never read. You're not getting the counsel of God. You're not going to listen to the word preached by guys who have been in it that understand, who have got a testimony for that matter, that the, the I was messed up and the Lord saved me and now he fixed me up, that can read that Bible and say, God, I got so much I can offer you. Please listen. Most, my, most people don't want to listen to counsel today, do they? No. And again, I think it's multiple reasons. Again, the uh, I have my what I think is my truth. Iniquity. That, that's what's true for me. And, you know, some people are so concerned that somehow they're going to lose their free will. You know, God does not necessarily violate your free will. But if we misuse our free will, and that's just a, a way I summarize a lot of what happens today, is the misuse of the gift of free will. It mm-hmm. causes so much complication, so much pain, so much uh, confusion. Uh, it's caused so much destruction and death in our world. I mean, there's verses galore laced all throughout the word of God. And just look at history. Look at the 10 o'clock news for that matter. The misuse of free will. That's what everybody's has, doing. Has caused too much pain in this world. My way. Yes. And, you know, I think an important thing to understand is, yes, you are given free will, but you're not given unlimited free will. Right. In 1979, I think it was, Superman came out. You remember when Superman came out? I mean. That was like the first movie, hero movie, where we literally saw somebody fly. And guys, this for you young people, this was before CGI, okay? You couldn't fake this. If Superman flew, man, my goodness, you saw him on the camera, he flew, okay? <laughs> and it was awesome. And I came home, and I remember running around the front yard with my hands out in front of me, you know, thinking, man, I want to fly. Michael, it was in my free will to choose that I wanted to fly. But Michael, no matter how much I tried, it was never going to happen. Right. I can't fly. Mm -hmm. I would love to fly. I wish I could. It's not going to happen. So I've got free will, but it's limited. God won't Mm -hmm. let me do anything I want. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where people are hitting up a wall and getting mad at God because I want to do this, but I can't. Mm -hmm. Now, when people find out I want to do this, but I can't, what should they do? They should turn to God's word, right? Right, to his counsel. And, you know, I think because of our fallen nature, because of sin, our minds tend to think that we're missing out on something. And let's go back real quick, just for the sake of why we think that way. All the way back to the garden, to the Garden of Eden, the creation story. You know, they were told that they could eat of every fruit of the garden except for the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So what trick did the old deceiver Satan use on Eve, but that, oh, did not God say you could eat of every tree of the garden? And she said, well, all except this one, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. But he knows that if you eat that, you're going to become like God's and he's trying to keep it from you so that you don't can't have that. So we have this mindset that, oh, I'm missing something. But what did it cause? It Everything. caused death. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning of the loss of our perfect, sinless, pure relationship with our Creator. That was the beginning. Why? The misuse of free will for eating the one fruit that was forbidden. You know, that, that is a terrible thought thinking about that, that we think that we would do better. If that was me at the tree, oh, I wouldn't have done that. I would have obeyed God, and he told me not to eat it, so I wouldn't have done right. it. Michael, you know good and well, just like I do, any one of us would have eaten off that tree. Right. Adam and Eve were a representation of us all. Our desire to say, no, 
I'm going to do it my way. And mm-hmm. it's going to be equal to, if not better than what God tells me to do. Mm-hmm. Somehow God's being unfair to me. Right. He's telling me I can't have off that tree, or he's telling me I can't live this party life that I want to have or whatever it is. And I think I want it. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. We have all done it. Mm-hmm. We have all had that at the tree moment right. like they did. Mm-hmm. And we violated the Lord's law. We violated it. And now death. Okay. So what what, what do you... <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, I'm kind of straying here, but But, you look like you're about to run something over me, and I want you to do it. Well, it's back to why I even share that in the beginning. I'm I'm a father. I'm a father of of two fine young men. Um, They're in their 20s now, but I raised them. You've been a a father. We've both raised children. Many of you listening have raised children. Why do you tell your children to do or not to do certain things? Because you love them. You care for them. Son, if you... You know, touch that particular plant, you're going to get stickers in your hand and it's going to hurt and it's going to bleed. And then I've got to put medicine on it. Son, if you'll eat the certain way, stay active, sleep good, you'll be healthy, you'll feel better. Son, if you don't eat 20 pounds of sugar or candies and one day you're going to, you know, you won't feel good, you'll be sick. We do it because we love our children. Why did God say you should not eat of that one tree? You should not do this. And again, you said, you know, thinking that we're missing something, it's the reason why he tells us to do or not do certain things. It's not a legalistic law that makes you good enough to go to heaven. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the motivation of a father's heart towards his children, that he gives us those, that wisdom, those instructions, because of the love that he has for us to either prevent death or to bring life. And, you know, this makes me think of a question people may be asking. So if God didn't want them to eat off that tree, why did he put it there? If God doesn't want me to have this party life, then why is it out there? If God doesn't, why didn't he just remove it? And it's it's kind of a test basis. And I don't think it's so that God can find out where we're really at. It's so that we can find out where we are really at. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve at first thought, well, we can be like God. Well, they found out real quick they can't. Right. It took that tree for them to recognize this. Uh-oh, now we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a good thing to point out from what you're saying, because that was an excellent uh, example, is that the reason God seems to be, quote, unfair, why is he doing this to me, is because you need to find out where you really stand with him, mm-hmm. not he needs to find out where you stand. You need to find out where you stand, because we read the passage earlier. Many, not few, many, the majority, I would say, are going to hear Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, friend, if you're those who are listening, you don't want this to be you. So what we're trying to run by you today is we hope you can find out where you truly stand with God, because we don't want you to hear those words, do we, Michael? No, we do not. We want you to be saved. And if you're out there running your life your way, I'm going to have it my way, and I don't need this church stuff. God loves me anyway. And you're thinking that it's an automatic salvation deal. We're here to tell you, you cannot live according to iniquity. You cannot live according to my way. At some point, you have got to hit the submit button and turn it over to God, or you're going to be in trouble. And look, most of you who are listening to me now, I don't know you personally. So I I don't have any personal agenda on you because I don't know you. You're hearing me through the podcast. So I can say this with all fairness. Give your life to the Lord. 
Submit your life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't, you are headed for trouble, and it doesn't have to be this way. I'm going to tell you where the real party is. It's going to be in heaven, right, Mike? Right. Yes, sir. It's going to be the big one. We don't want nobody to miss that. Right. Uh, we think about verses like, uh, and my wife and I were talking about this the other day, to think that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was there when he created everything, this wonderful planet that we have. One of the promises he said to his disciples, he says, Behold, I leave you now, but I go, and, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, I go to prepare a place for you that I will bring you to myself and you will dwell with me. I, can you imagine, Ray, the mansion, the place that he's preparing for you for the past however long since he's been gone, to think that he's, one, that he's even making a place for you like that, that's special, just for you. Ray Jensen has... Ray's mansion waiting, made by Jesus Christ himself just for you and every person that trusts in him. That's just one of the promises. Not only do you escape death, you get to be restored and be with your eternal creator for the rest of eternity. He's also preparing a place for you. I don't know about anybody else. So that's got to be the deal of a lifetime of an eternity. You know, Mike, you asked if I could imagine that. No, I can't. Because the Bible says I can't. (laughs) So so none of us can imagine. You don't have, or I don't have, none of us have the brain capacity to understand exactly the greatness that he has set before us, but you've got to give your life to him. Right. It's like, friends, if you have a husband or a wife, and let's say they committed to you, but eh, they say, you're my husband or you're my wife, but I want to spend time with somebody else tonight. And your wife or husband spends five days a week with somebody else and two days a week with you. That's not really committed, is it? I don't know. Nope. Doesn't sound committed to me. You got to be all in. And we demand that of our spouses and our, our, uh, our friends like that be full committed or I don't believe you. And I think that's where a lot of people stand with the Lord right now. They say they're his, but they want to play with somebody else. You know, I, I had that, that segment of my life at one time where I didn't want to get into serious commitment because, man, let me just be honest. I just wanted to play. I wanted to play around. I wanted to run here, run there, do whatever, not be committed to any one person. But if I told somebody I belong to you and I, if I said I do, but still ran around, are they going to buy it, Mike? Are they, they're not going to believe me. Right. And you know, everybody has a different experience as you were sharing kind of where you were. When I was younger, I think I was just uninformed. I was basically oh, yeah. just spiritually, and this is my own words for my, myself, I was spiritually stupid. I didn't know hey, what the- Same here. <laughs> I had no earthly idea what the Bible really said. Now, I don't have it all together. Again, like we said at the beginning of this talk, we're, we're not there. We have not arrived. I don't even fathom to think I've arrived. I'm working on it and will be for the rest of my days while I'm here. But what I'm getting at is that, um, I don't remember what I was getting at. You're getting somewhere because, you know, I, I, I was in the same boat with you. I, I remember I did not know a first thing that was in it. I knew that David killed Goliath. Noah floated on a boat. Jesus died <laughs> on the cross. Uh, I've got it pretty well figured out. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. Yeah. I was clueless. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the first idea. Right. Because I was not what? Get, I was not getting that counsel. Right. Back to the counsel uh, that the Lord offers us that when we do have a lack of understanding and we earnestly really want to know him. You know, that's it. You've got to want to know him. You've got to want to know him. Mm-hmm. And Michael, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid most people just don't want to. They're interested in other things. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if you, if you buy a new video game for kids and they really want it, mm-hmm. they're going to be in that room in front of that TV playing it. 
Right. Now, they're not going to be doing other things. Why? Because that's what they really want. Whatever you really want is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell me, I really want the Lord and have absolutely nothing to do with him. I, right. I don't buy it. If you really wanted him, you would pursue him. And he's not hard to find, is he, Mike? No. He says, draw near while he is to be found. And I was um, looking at a verse here out of Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. And it gives a little glimpse of how good the Lord is. It says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. See, he's a personal God. And when, when we have troubles as Christians, he says he would be there. He would never leave us alone. And that's why when Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, and then ascended to the Father, ascended to heaven, he said, I do not leave you alone. I'd leave you another helper, the comforter. Um, but in this Old Testament verse, he says he knows those who trust in him. Again, that personal thing. It's not follow these rules and you'll be okay. Go stand over there. It's personal. He's making Ray Jensen a mansion in heaven. He's making Mike a, a another mansion in heaven. We may be neighbors. We don't know. But the thing is, do we trust him? Do we trust the one who gave his only son? I, I know Ray and I both have young men in our family. I just the thought of them even dying is, is hard enough, but giving them for somebody else you don't even know, especially somebody who despises you and misuses every gift you give them. That's a bit hard to think about. You know, it makes me think of what the Lord Jesus did for me. He died on the cross for me when I despised mm-hmm. him. Right. And you you talked about a personal God. And, you know, to those listening, I want you to understand that God is not just this, like Mike said, follow my way, do rule one and rule two and rule three and keep all these things and you'll you'll be OK and you'll go to heaven and we, we won't ever have anything to do with each other. He's a personal God. Right. He's a, he wants to know you. Friend, the deal, the, the things you're dealing with right now, the problems you're going through, God wants to help you. He wants to help, but you've got to get out of the way and let him have it. Right. It's like that time I took that dispatch computer to that girl and, and uh, oh, she was in Dallas or something and she was going crazy because she was having to do everything by telephone mm-hmm. and the phones were going off the hook. If the computer worked, the computer would do everything automatically, but mm-hmm. she wouldn't get out of the way. I, I had a spare computer. I'm here to replace it. Just let me. In. No, no, I can't. She was freaking out. It, finally, I said, get out of the way and she finally got out of the way and i replaced the computer in two minutes it booted up and it took over and now all of a sudden her life was fine and there's a lot of people will not let god do that friends he wants to help you and how many times we have banged our head against a wall unnecessarily unnecessarily and uh just discovered i should have done this so much longer ago long time ago uh hopefully i've learned over the the decades that i've been walking with the lord to more quickly turn to him. And I think it's become more of a habit, more of a life decision that, you know, I'm going to turn to him sooner (laughs) than later uh, so that I can learn the lesson quicker and probably reduce the misery a little bit. But I've learned that the sooner that I do turn to him, it is resolved sooner. The more, the sooner I walk in peace, the less complication, less time for complication and self infliction of pain. It just, seems a better idea <laughs> it does and that's why guys that's why we're doing this guest uh show today i don't have quite the skills and the gifts as two of us do and that's why i brought michael in so he can offer you some of himself now i've been 
doing set for life for a few years and I give all I can. But now we have Michael at the table and we're both speaking in agreement to y'all that who are listening. We want you to understand that there is life in Jesus Christ. There is problem resolution in Jesus Christ. There's reconciliation. There's peace. There's healing. And I know that those of you listening, you desire those things, but you're trying to get it your own way. And you're never going to get there. We started off with there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. And that's where it's going to get you. Friend, will you hit the submit button? Well, I got all my check boxes and I got got all my stuff filled out. Great. Wonderful. When will you hit the submit button? Because if you show up at the airport without hitting that submit button, they're never going to know who you are. Michael, do you have a prayer that you would like uh, or a thought you would like for anybody listening to encourage them to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and uh, just kind of guide them into that? Uh, With pleasure. You know, it is such a relieving thing and such a life-giving experience when you realize in your heart, because it's back to the heart, the heart that our Creator gave you, that void that you feel at times, that emptiness, that that frustration, that pain, that yearning for something more, a lot of that is a void that is there because when we are born in sin, we are separated from him, but he made a way. He gave you the free gift of salvation and restoration of eternal life through his son, Jesus. So if that's something that you and your heart is stirring, that you desire to have, that you can find that wise counsel through his Holy Spirit, not just for now, But for eternity, go ahead and pray this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have given me hope beyond myself. I thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to die for me on the cross. Lord, I confess I am a sinner. I confess my need for you, for your love in my life. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to bless me with the gift of your forgiveness, Lord and to send me your Holy Spirit to seal me from the day of salvation. Forgive me, Lord, and help me to walk in your ways. I trust you, Lord God, to be my heavenly Father, my personal heavenly Father, that no one else can be, and I receive you now. Come into my life. Let your resurrection life bring hope to me and to renew my spirit so I can be with you eternally and walk with you the rest of my days on this earth. Help me, Lord, to be faithful to you, your soon coming return. I ask it all for your glory, and in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I could not have said it better myself. Friends, we just want you to know that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. Set for life.